Hello. Welcome to Paperback Readers. I'm Joe. That's Julie. And uh, a little bit behind schedule, but uh, it happens. Better late than never. Here we are. Ready to talk to you about all the things that we've been reading for the past two weeks and the one book that we read together. I'm going to go first. Shoot. All right. The first book that I read was The Verifiers by Jane Peck. I read it so long ago. I don't remember all the things about it. Um, you read it 16 days ago. I'm looking at your notes. a long time. Um, and this book was about um, the dangers of technology. The main character, whose name I cannot remember, was a... Uh, she worked for a company that watched the matchmakers. The matchmakers being the big um, uh, online dating companies. And um, it basically, it, it was a lot about um, what we're willing to believe, what we're willing to accede to um, these corporations and what technology does in our lives that we don't really even know, which is, it, I found it really interesting. I read it super fast. Um, there were a lot of things in it. I feel pretty sure that I just kind of glossed over because the technological like details didn't really interest me as much as the mystery of it did and the characters. So it was a really fun read. Then um, I read a book called Booth by Karen Joy Fowler. We are going to be talking about that one more um, later on. But this is a book. I love Karen Joy Fowler. She wrote a book called the Jane Austen Book Club. Mm -hmm. And then she wrote a book called, oh gosh, what's the name of it? Anyway, all of her books are great. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I love the way that she writes. She just has a really lyrical quality to her fiction um, that's fascinating. So when I heard that this book was coming out, it's historical fiction about John Wilkes Booth's family, not really about him so much as his family. I really, really knew that whatever she did with it was going to be really great. In her author's notes, she talks about how she did not really want to write about John Wilkes Booth because she did not feel like he deserved any extra attention. And yet she wrote a lot of this in a time these past several years when our country has been in great turmoil. And she focused on his family and on the idea of what makes somebody a radical. Gorgeously written. Um, the character development was really, really interesting. And I thought this book was fabulous. And I'm looking forward to reading it, spoiler alert. Yep, so. well, more about that later. But, all right, then I read One Italian Summer by Rebecca Searle. All three of these books that I'm talking about here have all been either Book of the Month picks for March or add-ons that you could get for March. So Book of the Month knocked it out of the park this month. One Italian Summer is kind of magical realism. The main character's mother passes away right before they were supposed to take a uh, long-anticipated trip to Italy together. Um, she is devastated in this loss and decides to go on the trip by herself, but while she's there, she meets her mother, 30 years younger, and um, has the chance to interact with her mother as a young woman. I really was not sure how this book was going to work. I'm not a big magical realism person. Um, it sounds like Field of Dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I also really struggled to like the main character at first because of things going on with her marriage. I just, there were just a lot of issues for me with this book, but um, by the end of it, 
I really um, admired the concept. I thought that this was a really great idea for a book. And if you like travel writing at all, the descriptions of the Italian countryside and food, it was wonderful. Or Back to the Future. That's the other one, of course, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it was nothing like either of those things. If it was only like those, I would love it. But... <laughs> well, it wasn't. Then I read Groundskeeping by Lee Cole, which I read entirely because the premise um, talked about how the main character in the book was a groundskeeper at a college in Kentucky. It's Ashby College, a fictional college that is um, near Louisville. I love things that are set in this state. I love to see what they got right, what they got wrong. This author, Lee Cole, is a native Kentuckian who went to Iowa Writers Workshop and now I believe lives in New York City, but he remembers everything about Kentucky. I told you while I was reading it, um, we talked about with Wendell Berry. I read that book and I was like, oh, I know these people. I love these people. Mm -hmm. With this book, I was like, oh, I know these people. I wish I didn't know these people. I dodge them at family reunions and get-togethers. But that's really unfair and um, it's a vast oversimplification of things, which, and the oversimplification of people as caricatures is something that this book really tries to fight um, and does a really, really good job of it. He sets the book during the um, last, pre- the Trump presidential election, um, the first one, where he 2016. was... 2016. Yeah, where he, I can't remember years, where he, <laughs> um, he was running against Hillary Clinton. And um, just where the real polarization with political parties started to become apparent to everybody in the country, I think. Mm. Um, And I thought that was a really interesting time to set this in Kentucky. Talked at great length. And the other part of this is that he is um, in love with a visiting writer to this college. The main character is an aspiring writer himself, and he falls in love with a um, visiting writer at this college who is a Bosnian refugee. And they talk at great length at one point about how Kentucky was a neutral state during the Civil War, so she felt safe coming here. And um, there, there was just a lot of that, you know, neutrality that I think people depended on for so long that has since sort of fallen apart. And this book dealt with it in a really artful way that allowed you to see people on both sides of the political, political spectrum as being human beings. It's a literary novel. If you're reading it for the plot, you're going to be disappointed. But if you're interested in any of the things that I've been talking about, then this might be a novel for you. And I'm going to give a fairly lengthy confession of myself here. This will crack you up. Oh, no. When you're reading books, you know, I try to keep up a little bit. If I'm not going to read it, I still at least like to know what you're reading. So I asked you about this, and you said, yeah, 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 Lee Cole. In my mind, I thought you said Lee Child. And I knew I knew the name Lee Child. I'm like Lee Child. Yeah, she's done a bunch of other stuff. So one, no, you said Lee Cole and not Lee Child. Two, Lee Child is also a man, That's as is Lee thinking. Cole, who he, he wrote the Jack Reacher novels. Turns out, but well, when you told it's me, all lost when you me. said this, oh well, you know she's written a lot right, of things. I was right. like, no, no, no. <laughs> She is a he, and <laughs> then you start talking about Lee Child, and I'm like, oh my gosh, isn't that a guy too? It, it is indeed. Okay, good. I'm glad we have finally gotten ourselves back on the same so, page. So, you know, as a, as a hobby, I like to misgender everybody's favorite writers, so I'll, I'll just shut up now. <laughs> <laughs> the last one that I read is called In a New York Minute by Kate Spencer. It was compared 
um, to You've Got Mail, which seems to be what I have um, read every, like I've read everything that was about You've Got Mail over the past several <laughs> weeks. Really but this one wasn't a You've Got Mail book. It's similar only in that they're both set in New York City and they're both love stories. And since I like love stories and I like books that are set in New York City, this was a really fun um, diversion to start my spring break. Okay, tell us about what you have been reading. I am not as productive as you, and I have several that are ongoing that are close, but not done. Uh, but I've got two, and then the joint book, I read God's Middle Finger into the Lawless Heart of the Sierra Madre by Richard Grant. Uh, Richard Grant is an Englishman who came over to America and writes about bizarre travel experiences. He wrote a really fun book about Mississippi that I'm totally blanking we on the name We talked about of. one of his books a few months ago, his latest book. Yeah, this is right. I haven't, so I don't think I read it, did I? Yeah, you did. It was our shared book. What was it? <laughs> <laughs> and you talked about my memory. I don't know. If it's the Mississippi book, then I did read it, but I read it longer than a few months ago. Anyway, whatever it is. <laughs> I've read a couple of his books. I read this one. Um, it's earlier. He's not uh, particularly in great form here, but it's kind of travelogue adventure of his crazy trip across the Sierra Madre Mountains that, uh, you know, it, it gives you some genuine cultural insight into how crazy the world is. Uh, how incredibly controlled everything is by the drug dealers. I mean, I think one of my favorite details that keeps coming up is like the local songs. He calls them narco corridas. They're they're basically like folk songs, except it's more akin to gangster rap honoring the local drug lords. Hmm. How virile they are and wonderful they are, and how they've killed this many men and you know, sold this much marijuana. And you know, this is like what people are jamming to in in these little. Villages in the Sierra Madre Mountains. When was this written? It is, this says 2018, but I think that's that particular edition. I think it is some years older than that, uh, but it can't be too old. I mean, it, it feels pretty thoroughly modern. Um, I try not to do too many spoilers, but he does uh, finish up with a truly unforgettable scene in which you're not sure if he's going to live through a very long night. Uh, so it's not my favorite of his books, but at the same time, if you've read one of his others, uh, as I have, maybe, <laughs> we probably, think, hopefully, we feel pretty sure I, I know I've read, I think I've read a couple of his books. I've really enjoyed his books, but, uh, this one was different. It wasn't my favorite, but that's not to say that there's not plenty going on to recommend it. Because he's such really a good is. writer. He's so funny in anything that he writes and, um. I love the way that he chooses just these different kinds of topics that nobody else is talking about. Yeah, yeah, that, that really is integral to what he does. Uh, so, if you're curious about the Southwest and crazy culture and lunatic Englishmen who take their <laughs> lives into their hands trying to go among people who really don't like outsiders at all, it's a fun one. Um, the other one is uh, Chuck Klosterman's The 90s, a book. I bought it for you. You did, and and I have worked through it kind of slowly. Klosterman is unique. Um, it's his big book, something about Cocoa Puffs. Oh, I can see it in my head. Yeah, it's, it's 
He writes about pop culture. He's a pop culture guy, except that really, in writing about pop culture, he writes about things much bigger than pop culture. He was the ethicist, I believe is what you call it, for the New York Times at one point. He wrote columns dealing with like ethical norms. Is this good behavior? Is this socially acceptable? Which is a bizarre job to have, but... <laughs> But he did it, and uh, I haven't seen him there in a while, so I guess that that's over. But The 90s is his new book. He had several, several. Uh, he's written some novels. Sex, Drugs, and Cocoa Puffs. Uh, that was it. Actually, that one. Uh, I've also read But What If We're Wrong in Killing Yourself to Live. Um, this one... He, this author photo looks very different from what I thought he looked like. Yeah, he's a little more clean-cut in his middle-aged. I mean, as, as you would think from a guy who called his first book Sex, Drugs, and Cocoa Puffs, you know, he's kind of uh, toned down and cleaned up. I think he got married, if my memory is right. But <laughs> I'm doing well to remember that he's a man, even though his name is Chuck and he has facial hair. But anyhow, the 90s, excellent book. Uh, might be my favorite of his because it feels the most focused and having the 90s as the place where he's coming from. And of course, it, it's all it's the kind of thing that appeals to somebody my age because the 90s is, is really when I'm sentient of pop culture. I mean, a little bit in the 80s, but only a little bit and really probably not since the 90s in many ways. Um, but I mean, Kurt Cobain... O.J. Simpson, uh, the 2000 presidential election. He's fluid with his, his time definitions. He considers that an integral part of the 90s. Uh, the East Coast, West Coast rap feud. Uh, you know, it's all here. Uh, Y2K, the Unabomber. Uh, you know, all of the things that meant something, he's going to give you a fresh sense of what they really meant that you can only gain some time back. Um, I thought that the premise for this book sounded really, really good. Although when you told me that I might want to read it also, I'm still not sure. Like the things that you just mentioned that he wrote about, there's only one of those. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> because I was never, especially as a child, was never a pop culture person. So I was afraid I wouldn't know anything yeah, these, about these decade are capital P pop culture although he does take time for diversions on things like crystal Pepsi and how Coke created <laughs> a tab clear product which was terrible and they did it just to scuttle crystal Pepsi that's interesting yeah I mean things like that they're 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 I learned a lot I remembered a lot but mostly I recontextualized a lot of the things I thought I knew the last chapter of this book maybe my favorite thing of his ever not that I enjoyed it because it's about the end of the 90s and it's about two things that changed the world forever I think irrevocably um, and it's not changed in a good way I, I read it and I thought I missed that yeah I wasn't sure about this book at all but um Listening to you talk about it makes me think that I definitely need to pick it up and at least give it a shot. And the cover of this book is fabulous. Because it's got that clear foam that every 90s girl wanted that had you see all the insides of it. Mm -hmm. I never got it. Well, certainly we didn't. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but I was probably okay with that. Oh, very different topic. Our shared book this time, uh, Bob Goff, who I... Uh, like to jokingly call Bob Gofflin after the children's show Wally Kazam where they had a character named Bob Goblin. So Bob Goff became Bob Gofflin for me. But 
that aside, he's a very kind man. Uh, excellent writer, and his book, Undistracted, is the one that we both read. Uh, you read it ahead of me, nothing unusual there. Um, Bob is a religious writer, I but... I think we have read everything that he's ever written. We may yeah. have talked about another one on here before. Probably. Love Does, um, Everybody Always. Mm-hmm. I think, are those his only other two? Those are the only ones I can think of. Okay, well, those are those are solid enough to be um, a strong catalog for any writer, really. And what Bob writes about, essentially, in every book, um, no matter what twist he puts on it, is the necessity for loving God and loving other people and arranging your life around those two things um, and how that's supposed to look radical. And he gives lots and lots of... Um, illustrations to show the way that living your life for God and then for others should make you look different. It should not make you fit in or blend in. Yeah. I will say I felt it was one of his more pragmatic books in terms of fact that he gave you ways to avoid distraction, to make yourself available, but also to set boundaries and say no for things that you couldn't do. Um, you know, I, I appreciated that element of it. I mean, his books are fairly simplistic, and at one point in this one, he actually says, somebody, you know, accused me of watering down Christianity, and I said, well, you know, if I am, there's a lot of thirsty people out there, and I thought that was a pretty good answer in that, you know, these are not theologically heavy books. This is not stuff you're going to pick up to figure out how many angels are dancing on the head of a pen. This this is how to be more in tune with God, with yourself, with your family and the people around you. It's kind of being a better person 101, and he'd probably settle for that. And I think that it's, it's a lot about how we try to make Christianity really hard, but it's really very simple when you break it down into what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be simple. It's supposed to be full of joy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not supposed to be filled with all of the distractions and complications that we give to it. This book reminded me in a lot of ways of another book we talked about on here, John Mark Comer's book about um, living an undistracted life, about slowing down, not hurrying anymore. Mm-hmm. And I thought those two books went very well together. Oh, if you liked, if you liked one, you would probably like the other. Well, and I always appreciate this about Bob. Um, you know, with somebody like that, one of the key components is: Are they genuine? Is this something they really believe, or are they just selling a book? Bob puts his cell phone number in the back of his books. It's in there can call him. He welcomes calls from people. Now, I say that as a guy who's never called him, but he gives you his email, he gives you his cell phone number, and he says in there, I take calls all the time. Uh, So, the proof's kind of in the pudding. I can't imagine doing that. Not that anywhere near Bob Goff's readership will read everything I ever write put together, uh, but still, you know, the guy lives what he says and uh, is, is an interesting character and a good example of you know, servant leadership. Yeah, servant leadership is a good way to describe this book. If you haven't yet picked up one of his books, this one would be a really good place to start. Thanks for listening in with us this week. We would love to hear from you on any of the books that we've talked about today. Anything that you think we might be reading, might need to be reading or on our upcoming shared read, which, no shock at all, is going to be Booth by Karen Joy Fowler. I'm looking forward to it. You know, we've 
checked it out of two different libraries so that we didn't get thwarted in our path to both read it. So You can um, get in touch with us at paperbackreaderspod at gmail.com, on Instagram at paperbackreaderspod, or on Twitter at pbackreaders. Thanks so much for listening. Hope everybody's doing well. Whatever you got going on, keep reading. <laughs>